Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the, the best podcast the ever. Best. Hey! We're, we're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. It is not enough to be busy. So are the ants. The question is, what are we busy about? Welcome to Shadow Sundries 3, the 116th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of philosopher and naturalist Henry David Thoreau. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meet. My name is Gwyn Ode's mother. So let's start with housekeeping. Housekeeping. I, we have, I, I don't you have anything. Personally. I personally, I personally have two new patrons. <laughs> um, no, we have two new patrons. We have a cat, Lore Corvus, and we have a hunter, Beck Blackwell. Thank Welcome. you to our new cat and our new hunter. Yes. Thank you you for your literal patronage. That's right. And of course, thank you to all our listeners, Mm -hmm. all of our patrons. We love you. You know it. So just know it. (laughs) Just embrace (laughs) that. Just embrace it. Just internalize that love that we have for you because we do. Okay. Let's talk about the things. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Every other Tuesday-ish. So in Tuesday and a half from now. (laughs) Unless it's a Thursday. (laughs) Well, unless like one of us has uh, a, child's a child's birthday. birthday. You know. Anyway, so we do this thing called Three Pagans on Tap. That is myself, Saranth Odinson, and Malik Odinson. And we have an absolute blast talking about and drinking alcohol and then going home hammered. That's uh, true. having other people drive. And right, that, yes. And that is on YouTube. It is on YouTube and or Facebook. Which oh. is, it's on both. That's yeah. right. Which is why it's always so much better when you're actually doing it from here. Right, yeah, because then, then you, you don't just, have to drive me home. Yeah. <laughs> then I can drink, too. Uh, and then you do another thing. Oh, I do, yes. Uh, every Sunday from 2 to 4, when I show up on time, uh, we, do a Zoom, today. <laughs> we, we do a Zoom call that uh, has no meaning, has nothing planned, has no anything other than, like, I'm fucking tired of not hanging out with people other than my family. So. Damn, COVID? It's the, it's the extrovert <laughs> Zoom call. <laughs> right. With a bunch of introverts on it. Uh-huh, it's very yeah. weird. <laughs> <laughs> they just sit there and stare at each other for a long time. Three Pot will not be going on Spotify because we're video yeah. oriented and not audio oriented. So sorry, Rihanna. Can only be on video platforms. Yep. And then Gwen, talk about the things you do. I'm only doing a thing now. Oh, one Instead thing. of things. That's right. That's right. Talk about the thing you do. The thing I now, the singular, only one thing that I do now, unless I forget. Is Monday mornings at 8 a.m. Eastern. I lead about a 20-minute guided meditation, and that is on the Facebook page, and it goes to the group and some of the other pages that we have. It gets disseminated. Gets dispersed. Yes. We have the Yulin coming up. We do. So if you'd like to participate in that, which is the Pride Secret Santa, you can go to tinyurl.com slash 3 That's 3-P-A-A-C-Y-U-L-E. The rules are that if you sign up by December 2nd, I will send you your partner. December 1st is the cutoff, cutoff date, date for signing sign up. up. Yep. Uh, December 2nd, you will be assigned your partner. By December 15th, your gift to them should be in the mail. 
If you let me know before December 15th that you cannot get something in the mail to your partner, there will be no penalty. Uh, I'll just pair your partner up with someone else. If you let me know by December 16th that you can't get something to your partner, you will be banned from the Yuling moving forward because for, for life. For, for yes, for as long as we do this, probably just because we've had too many people uh, not notify me that they are unable to send something to their partner, and that's very disappointing for everyone involved. So all you have to do is let me know before the deadline, and there will be no issues. And Carm, because I know you have wanted to know for the last two weeks, 72 people are currently signed up for the Yuling. Wow. Holy and, and, and we're not into November yet. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's more than last year, yes. right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. So oh it's already goodness. more than last year's. Already more. And that was significantly more than the year before. Yes. Yeah. So. But I, I do know that the people who do participate and it goes off successfully, mm -hmm. they have a lot of fun. Yep. They come, they show pictures in, in the Facebook group of what they received and yeah. it's a it's very cool to see i love to see what everybody got so thanks to our tiger solanox for introducing us to weavers of the web an interfaith pagan atc that's aquarian tabernacle church organization based in lansing michigan weavers of the web is a public wiccan church that aims to be family friendly supportive and informative with the goal of ensuring that no one ever need be alone in their spiritual needs Weavers is currently raising funds for the down payment on a property, which would allow them to expand their current network of resources. During social distancing, you can find them online at weaversoftheweb.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash weaversATC. Weavers is also holding regular Zoom meetings, online rituals, and Discord discussions during this time. Excellent. I think that was perfect. Mm -hmm. That was that was one of your best. Why was there a fucking surprise <laughs> thing at the end of that? That was, that was one of your best reads in a while. You maintained you maintained a specific radio voice the whole way through. Yep. Didn't turn into Count Chocula. Exactly. We didn't have to start over halfway through or anything. Well, you all also didn't laugh. <laughs> That's true. Which That's does true. help. That's true. And I on purpose did effort. not look at you all at all, <laughs> just in case you might fuck me up. It's time for Queen's Garden Jams. There you yeah. go. You're not bad, considering you couldn't remember what the tune was. <laughs> okay, so today what I'm going to talk about is cattails. So this is not actually something that you're going to grow so much as something you can forage. Harvest. Or harvest. Have you seen those water plants? Yes. yes. Okay. Exactly. They're also called bulrush, cat of nine tails, cattail flag, Cossack asparagus, flag, punks reed mace, and rushes. They have, depending on who you're looking at, you know, which resource you're looking at, they can either be um, associated with the planet Mars or Venus. They can either be masculine or feminine. <laughs> they can have the element of fire or water. water. Huh. Is this because they're kind of phallically shaped, but they're next to a yes. water source, and so everyone's just like, IDK, both, neither? Remember These when, are non-binary plants. There you go. There it's you perfect. Go. This is what I've decided. Yeah, it's non-binary plant. Yeah. That's Remember perfect. when we talked about the plant, uh, the uh, doctrine of signatures? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is basically how that works. Except that there's too many contradictory <laughs> too many elements in this one. And the powers are either lust or passion. <laughs> okay. Depending. Right. And some people also include the them as uh, a protective source. And okay. they can also be good for placing around or over your altar for magic. 
Finn says, I tricked my brother that they were hot dogs and had him try and eat one. Well, here's the thing, though. (laughs) They are edible. You can't actually eat them. The whole plant pretty much is edible. You can, the roots can be eaten raw or boiled, sliced like a potato and used as a potato substitute. They can be ground and used as flour because they do have a kind of gluten in the root. The leaves can be cooked and eaten like spinach. The, when you want to eat the, those brown kind of spiky uh, tops, you really want to eat those in the summer when they are just first. So uh, like new. Yeah, the newer, younger ones, they, they're more tender. They taste better. Like as they get piece. Yeah. As they get older, they get kind of tough and, and don't really have, they don't really taste very good. So it's best to eat those in the summer when they have first start to bloom. And then the shoots can be removed, peeled, and eaten in a salad or used in a stew. However, it is recommended that you do not eat them while you are pregnant or nursing. Medicinally, the roots can be made into a poultice. The leaves can be burned um, and placed on wounds to help facilitate healing. The flower shoots can also be burnt to help with the smoke to repel insects. The roots themselves where they grow, you know, because they grow near marshes and water, you know, stitches, wherever. Any any place that's wet or has water, but they are known to uh, filter toxins out of water. Mm. Uh, which is why they said if you are going to harvest and yeah, eat cattails, you want to know about the water source. Yes, know about the water source where they're growing. If they're growing near a place where there's like wastewater from a plant yeah. or a farm, if there is any kind of potential chemical, chemical drain off mm-hmm. into yeah. the area, you do want to do a little research before you do any kind of harvesting of cattails. But they're very good. Um, apparently, even uh, dried out cattail tubes, you know, mm-hmm. the, the stalks. The stalks? can feed oxygen into the roots and keep the seeds alive for years. Uh, Again, they do mostly grow in wetlands. They can grow up to anywhere from three to 10 feet high. And there are two species in North America. They are either broad or narrow leafed. So, and both are edible. I knew you could eat these because I played The Long Dark, which is a video game where you have to survive in the Canadian wilderness. Mm-hmm. In fact, they were a food source for a lot of indigenous tribes. Mm. So, and you can weave the reeds together to make a small boat to put baby Moses in <laughs> and put him down the Nile. True. That's- yeah. <laughs> yep. It could be a different kind of reed, but probably the it, cattails. It said rushes. <laughs> that's that's true. what they're called. Rushes. So we're yep. right there. So. So, but yeah, so they are actually really versatile plants. And again, they can be used in either fire or water magic. Just because someone says they can only be used for lust or for passion. There's, use your intuition. These are very versatile plants. So you could use them for healing. You could use them for all kinds of things. They are now non-binary plants. I'm I'm claiming these as non-binary plants. In fact, I read somewhere (laughs) that they're good for um, when you want to work with your ancestors. Those are a good Mm. plant to include on your altar and uh, i mean they're just they're a wonderful plant all right so that's it for queen's garden gems excellent and now we're going to speak to our first guest Brittany. please unmute yourself hello hello thank you for having me on the podcast today hi well we're glad you're here yes as usual and now i've been i have to be more specific now so (laughs) yes the usual opening question that I hopefully will get right this time. <laughs> because you want to be my child. Uh-huh, I want to continue being Gwen's child. That's right. <laughs> the stakes are extremely <laughs> high. <laughs> Brittany, what is your pagan path and how did you get onto it? I started on my pagan path 
at the end of 2015 or the beginning of 2016, somewhere in that time frame, I was introduced by a coworker at that time, actually, uh, because they saw a lot of the things that I was interested in. I'm notorious on my lunch breaks for bringing books in or even paintings. So they actually uh, shared a lot of information about the particular path that they were on and they eventually actually introduced me to you guys but I have never seen them on the discord and I don't even know if they still listen so and this was back whenever we lived in Indiana so that is kind of how I started my particular path is that I consider myself more of an earth witch I work with the earth or sun deity as a whole Um, so I don't work with any particular gods or goddesses. Uh, and I also focus my craft more on environmental based things. So I am more about being eco-friendly and low waste, even in my own practice. And that kind of transitions into my artwork as well. And so that's kind of just a big overview of my path, but uh, I can go into more if you want. No, that's perfect. So for those that don't know, I grew up in Indiana up until uh, 2017. What uh, took you down south? Uh, Indiana sucked. <laughs> you know what? That's valid. <laughs> that's valid. That's totally fair. That's, over- that's legit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if Florida is technically much better, but we do have beaches and where we live has preserved a lot of natural spaces within the environment. And so holistically, like with my craft, it makes it a lot easier because where we used to live was uh, Fort Wayne and it was big industrialized like city. I mean, it wasn't huge. not. But I visited Florida once in my early 20s and it was it was really nice. Um, the, the beaches definitely are a plus. So I can see that being a, a draw to move down there. Mm-hmm. I do want to say we have beaches everywhere. Not not in certain parts of the landlocked part of the country. Oh, no, there are beaches in every town. Oh, I got every you. City. I see what he's doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. Ranas. There are ranas in every There's town. There's ranas in every, every town in every city. <laughs> uh, I gotcha. You I gotcha. Son of a beach. You son of a beach. Rana says, I am the only one. Okay, let's get back to the end. Okay. Brittany, what is it that you make? I have a huge overarching goal that I hope to accomplish within the next five years, which is opening my own environmentally based art nonprofit uh, here in Florida. And so that's my overreaching goal. But currently, I make naturally dyed textiles completely from recycled materials and I also make watercolor paintings and I make watercolor paintings hugely specifically of the plants that I use to naturally dye with which is a bit of a task in itself but I do paint other subjects as well just depending on what I have available and things like that. I work very hard to use uh, recycled or secondhand materials and so I've worked with a local resource shop here in Gainesville called the Repurpose Project where I buy actually a lot of name brand paints. I'm really surprised that people get rid of them. (laughs) That's great. And then I also get a lot of my brushes there too. Occasionally, I can't find everything that I need secondhand. So I do have to purchase something such as my paper and things like that. But all of my textiles are secondhand and it's a bit of a process. Uh, Normally, my textiles uh, don't stay available for long. So unfortunately, I don't have any available at this time. I have to save up enough food waste to be able to dye with those. And so a lot of the food waste that I use is actually onion skins or turmeric or avocado pits are several different options. I put a couple books in the Discord 
before for individuals that were interested in learning more about it. I'm happy to share those again in the future. But really, it's just trying to find a way to bring my beliefs as a witch like into my art form, because I, I feel like that's really important to me. And it also helps me kind of ground myself and stay connected. My paintings are a way for me to more explore that particular plant that I might be working with. So I'm really excited to start working with some goldenrod that I actually got from the shop that you guys talk a lot about. I was able to order it in bulk. Oh, good. Oh, from arts and craft yeah excellent yeah and i've seen some of your art your, your yeah your paintings are beautiful and i've been on your website eco stitch and cycle.com i've seen some of your textiles there they look really cool and you get some really good interesting colors mm -hmm. out of that process mm -hmm. and i love just the goal overall mm -hmm. because you know recycle reuse repurpose that's what we we need to be doing and so it just it very much fits into the lifestyle i think of pretty much any witch who honors the earth yeah it's i think it's a really interesting way to kind of bring a lot of different things together because if you have individuals that are maybe hearth witch or kitchen witch or things like that like a lot of these things are things that everybody could be doing all i do is these onion skins in a ziploc bag that i reuse in the freezer up until i have enough and then all it is is really boiling it on the stove and getting the pH right. Granted, you shouldn't use the same containers that you cook with to do your dye vats with, just That's as a fair. disclaimer. But really, you're just altering the pH of the textile and of the dye vat. And you're doing that with simple things such as alum powder or vinegar or cream of tartar, which is just a powder itself as well for those that aren't familiar. So, And you can get all of that at the grocery store. Exactly. Absolutely. So a lot of the things that people use in pickling is actually what I use to naturally dye with. That's wonderful. Yeah. So I do make some for myself. I make some like altar cloths that are naturally dyed that are really beautiful. I think I like, I like also working with elderberry, although that one's usually not a food waste per se, but it makes a beautiful, like a grayish mm, blue yeah. color. Very nice. And I would think that the spirit of materials that you're working with, you know, also lend their energy and that the intention into your work. Absolutely. And you can actually use rosemary as well. Because I know that you talk a lot about rosemary and it actually does a greenish colored dye. I believe that's one of them that you need to add vinegar to though. I'm going to try that. Can, yeah, can I make a suggestion to you? Sure. There is a store near you called Earth Origins Market. They actually have like five or six of them and they're okay. like a health food store, but there is one in Gainesville and you should just go by them and ask them for their waste. For their food waste. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, food waste it sounds they like stuff you... they're going to get rid of because they can't sell it anymore and this would help you get more food waste for making more textiles because mm -hmm. i was gonna say it sounds like you mostly use your own household's food waste and that's great but if you want to expand your business mm -hmm. reaching out to, to other local stores and things would be a great way to do that right or create a, a non-profit mm -hmm. that will encourage other people not just witches but anybody who has an interest in in making this kind of art but also just in helping the planet and can you tell us more about that nonprofit? what it is that you that you wanted to do and how you're planning to build it sure so it is in my five-year plan so i'm working on it but it's a start yes i have thought about reaching out to other businesses with our move at this time i had not done it yet but i had actually partnered with other local families 
communities mm. in the area and started collecting their food waste as a smaller step. I've got a couple connections in like the homeschool community. And so the kids think that it's kind of a really neat science project. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. So that's a lot of fun. But my goal is to be able to open up this arts-based nonprofit. And I hope that how it will function is that I will be able to work with the local community to be able to resource items that we need, similar to like what the repurpose project does, where we'll be able to collect some items secondhand and then be able to provide them to people who maybe can't normally afford those items. I was lucky enough to be gifted an easel at one point and things like that. And so there's a really big barrier to entry once art students graduate from college or even once they graduate from high school, that they no longer have the resources that they need to be able to create art. And so if we can get these materials secondhand and be able to provide them to a larger audience, then more people will be able to create art that they need to for their own mental health or for their own just need because it's really hard. Once I graduated college, I, I used to do glass blowing in college. I used to do so many other things, but I have no resources to be able to continue that. So what if we were able to get these resources, put them together into one facility and then find a way to make it low waste? So glass in itself can, if we had a glass blowing studio one day, would be able to be recycled there on site. You usually need one vat just for your uh, clear glass and then you need a second vat for your colored glass. So there's two options there. Secondly, I do think that textiles are a fine art and some people do disagree about that nowadays, but I believe that they are. And if we're able to partner with local restaurants that use uh, farm to table food, then we should be able to create these natural dyes in a safe environment. There is also a huge learning curve with natural dyeing. So if we can provide resources for other individuals to do this safely, uh, then that's amazing. One thing that people don't realize is that Plants have a lot of power, and I'm not just talking about magically. Peaches, mm -hmm. for example, the core of peaches actually contain cyanide. So if you try to make a dye out of peach pits, you could actually really hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. I love what you said about textiles, I, because it is an mm -hmm. art. It is an art form. And, and it's kind of becoming a lost art. It is. It is becoming a, a lost art. It absolutely is. And some of the things that I do is also take these textiles. If they are synthetic, they normally cannot be dyed unless it's turmeric. Turmeric is strong as I'll get out, so it'll usually <laughs> stick to most. But I also try to make things out of these other materials, but we usually donate those items. They're usually blankets or things like that. Mm -hmm. But my goal is to be able to turn this into kind of a circular economy setting where one area of the nonprofit is creating products or creating things that can be used in other areas. So that is my end kind of end goal. It's a little lofty at this time, but I'm hoping that with some perseverance and us already getting up off the ground and running, mm -hmm. that we'll be able to make that progress. And once again, that, that business name that we're working with is Eco Stitch and Cycle for Eco for the eco-friendly side, the stitch for the natural textiles and cycle for all the recycling that we hope to be able to do one day. So that's very cool. Everything about that sounds great, Brittany. Absolutely. Like from start to finish, not a single bit of it am I not on board for. Exactly. Exactly. I'm going to volunteer myself. Again, uh -huh, yeah, but yeah. I've started many nonprofits. So if you need help with paperwork, mm -hmm. IRS, anything like that, let me know. Um, I'm more than happy to help you go down that road. That would be wonderful. Right now, I've just been checking out the books at the library and working on the marketing side of things, which is where I have experience because without a good base built up to start that nonprofit, it's really hard to get 
to really get off the ground. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But in the meantime, I also create the paintings and the paintings really provide, in all honesty, the capital to get uh, Eco Stitch and Cycle up off the ground, which is their primary function at this time. I do paint studies of the things that I die with and other things um, based on that. So I recommend you check out the, check out the paintings as well. They are just as fun as the naturally dyed textiles. You'll see both featured on my website and in the cooler seasons and after harvest time it is easier to do these dye vats as well because then it's not so hot here in florida to have these huge pots going on the stove all day yeah Yeah, that makes sense. Obviously, there's a connection for you between your path as a witch. Green Earth Witch. A Green Earth Witch. Obviously, there's a connection there between you and creating these things. But how would you advise people to interact with these uh, these paintings or with these textiles when you have more of them or with their own sort of recycled, upcycled projects? How would you encourage people to sort of integrate that kind of thing into their spiritual practices? I would say that it can become really overwhelming at first if you start just a basic Google search because you'll get a project that's 50,000 things long of all the things that you could do to make your practice more environmentally friendly. So the other thing that a lot of people don't always feel comfortable talking about is that making your practice environmentally friendly can be a bit socioeconomically exclusive. Uh, which is not the route that I want to make the nonprofit or myself sound either. So usually the first step that I recommend to individuals whenever looking to starting to make their practice more environmentally friendly is honestly just using what you already have. It sounds so simple and maybe overlooked, but in all honesty, our society is really based on overconsumption. So actually using up what you have and finding a way to repurpose it is actually going to go a lot farther than buying a whole bunch of new things that are in quotes environmentally friendly there's been sort of a a cultural movement towards green things but you have to put the green in air quotes because there's no regulation about what qualifies as green so organic is usually just a sticker the organic peach is no different from the non-organic peach the same peach often from the same place just one has the green sticker on it so that's why farm to table stuff and local stuff is Mm -hmm. is more useful in that regard i think it it really is and so that's usually my next step is saying if you're going to buy something see if you can find it somewhat locally we had a shop here in Gainesville that was closed during most of COVID which is why I ended up ordering from the shop that you all recommend instead Mm -hmm. but normally I exclusively shop here locally now that Earth Origins that you mentioned is on the far um, north side of town and I have been there from time to time but we did have an actual like um, pagan shop that I used to get a lot of my herbs from and after I developed a relationship with them they would actually let me bring in my own bulk jars and things like that so I'm hoping that they open again soon Uh, that would be Yeah. but yes hopefully they weathered the pandemic hopefully mm-hmm. but that would be my my next step is is use what you already have and then if you do need to get something try to get it locally or try to get it handmade and it might sound like I'm preaching to the audience or trying to sell you something but that's that's not my goal we get some wonderful candles from another pride member that um, my spouse and I order we also probably should take stock out wonderful body co but I mean that's all (laughs) (laughs) that's all just us trying to order from other individuals because it's not supporting a larger corporation and then I can actually reuse a lot of the materials that they ship in or I can like I can wash out the little containers that the wonderful body co comes in and use them for other things too. Mm-hmm. Gwen reviewed some candles not too long ago that came in these little jars. And I was like, I want to buy the candles just for the jar. That's right. 
I'll burn the candle because it comes in it, but I want the jar. (laughs) (laughs) Make Mackenzie get these little yogurt things at the store just because the jars are perfect to start seedlings. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So, I mean, that's my next, if you have the capability, uh, which I didn't up until here recently, is to be able to have some kind of garden or availability to either like grow your own herbs or to grow your own seedlings. Even to start with, I found that myself, because I lived in an apartment for eight years up until about a month ago, uh, it really helped my own mental health, uh, watching just something else grow and things like that. And I used the patio and I had so many plants on that patio. I, it was, I think I counted at one point and I had like 21 in this one little bitty area but that's once again that's me um doing what i needed to do for my craft and for my mental health i, I understand yeah gwen definitely does <laughs> 21's a low number in uh-huh, house. Yeah. <laughs> there's 21 uh, in the living room uh-huh. <laughs> you can't keep them inside because the dogs will eat them uh-huh. that's a fair concern yeah yes yeah we have to guard ours from the cat I set up a thing on my Etsy shop for anyone that might be interested in some of my paintings. I don't have any naturally dyed textiles yet because of us just moving and getting settled. It takes a lot to save up the the massive materials needed to make those dye that. But I set up a coupon. It's 15% off anything in my Etsy shop. If you see any paintings or prints that you like, this will only work on Etsy because I am a one person team and I handle all of my own website. So I'm not as good with my own website as I am with Etsy. But if you use the code 3PAAC15, you'll get 15% off your entire order. Um, So if anybody is interested, I set that up through November 30th, 2020. Brilliant. That's awesome. Maybe getting some prints myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are very nice watercolors, you guys. (laughs) Yes, yes. I love the herbals. Mm -hmm. Those those are my favorite. I have a a place that I can envision those going on my wall. (laughs) She has plans. I have plans. I think that they make beautiful like altar pieces or background pieces. And I try to put a lot of the energy from the plants into the paintings themselves. So I do recommend if you get a chance to check them out. If not, check out our website. Uh, I'll send it to you guys so you guys can link it it's eco eco stitch s-t-i-t-c-h and spelled out cycle.com and you can check out our blog we have an e-newsletter uh the newsletter only goes out once a month i do not spam you and the blog is also once a month as well Perfect. And will you, will the newsletter let people know when you have textiles in stock again? Mm -hmm. Excellent. It will, but it'll only be included in the, like at the beginning of every month is usually whenever I I load those up. And to be honest, they usually sell in about three to four days. I'm, I'm usually out. So get them when they're they're hot. hot. Yep. Yep. (laughs) All right. Thank you for joining us tonight, Brittany. Thank you. It was great talking to you and good luck with your uh, business and venture. Yeah. The whole nonprofit situation. That all sounds very cool. It does. Pull your earplugs out (laughs) because here it comes. Brace yourself. It's time for Oats Stone Corner. Wow, that was hard on my ears. I'm sure you destroyed the Discord. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That was was very loud. Talk to us. Talk to us, Discord. <laughs> is, are, you, are you still alive? Still there? <laughs> <laughs> and Grace says, I expected worse. <laughs> I did okay. lean away from the mic. You did, you did, yeah. yeah. You did. All right. So today I'm going to be covering Novaculite, sometimes called Arkansas stone, which is a bit of a misnomer because it's also found in Japan, Syria, Lebanon, and Israel. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Novaculite is a micro to crypto crystalline variety of chert. So <laughs> I'm sorry. Can you repeat that in English? <laughs> Chert is a kind of stone, and when it undergoes 
some more processing. More, it morphs. It, it morphs and sometimes acquires some quartz crystalline structures and becomes novaculite. Micro means that those crystal structures can only be seen under a microscope. And crypto means that those crystalline structures can't even be seen under a microscope. So it's got a range from micro to crystalline. And it's a very finely grained stone. So if I put that into a morpher, do I get to become a Power Ranger? No. Oh, too bad. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> it is a white to gray-black stone, so it can come in that whole range, but uh, unless it has some kind of impurities, it doesn't have a color usually. Mm. It's a very hard, very dense stone. It's a Mohs 7, and it has a specific gravity of between 2.3 and 2.7. Relatively high specific gravity, so it's heavy. It is a little bit brittle, not outrageously so, but enough that it can be napped. So it, okay. it can be, and it creates very smooth fractures. So, so like flint. Like flint, yeah, yeah. Very, very similar to flint. It was actually used by First Nations tribes in, in Arkansas, in the Arkansas area. The area that is now Arkansas and was not at that time Arkansas. You mean Arkansas? <laughs> yes. Okay. It was actually mined by First Nations tribes who would nap it into points. So for arrows and spears and things like that. Uh, and Nowadays, it's mostly used to make whetstones. So it's used for sharpening blades. It is extremely abrasive to metal, which is why it can be used for sharpening a blade. You have sort of these different grits of novaculite from very, very fine grained to a rougher grit that's still very fine grained so that that's the micro to crypto right range is that the whetstone your brother wears i don't know if his whetstone is novaculite they do make synthetic whetstones oh. but novaculite is the most common natural stone for whetstones gotcha because it's very abrasive to metals although it can be used as like an aggregator like in road mixes or in concrete or like under railroad tracks it's often not used that way because it wears out machinery faster than other stones. So like Interesting. the excavators that mine Novaculite and the trucks that carry the, the truck beds that carry Novaculite from location to location and the railroads, if it's used as, uh, as bedding, as bedding beneath the, the rail lines degrades faster when Novaculite is, is used in place of other stones because it's very abrasive to metal and it just sort of any kind of friction causes it to causes oh. it to wear away the metal much faster than other stones do. It is not commonly used for that, although it technically can be. And it was used for that more in the past before people figured out, oh, that's why things are breaking so fast. Magically, so so Novaculite is not a gemstone. It's a stone stone. It's relatively common in, like I said, you can get- Arkansas? In Arkansas. <laughs> like I said, you can get uh, wet stones made of Novaculite pretty easily. You just have to check and make sure you're not getting a synthetic one, but most of them will say- what they're made out of, mm -hmm. if, you, if you look into that. So they're not hard to come by. And magically, their primary functions are cutting through bullshit. That makes sense. And honing your mind and your perception. So if you like are in a position where you need to really be on the ball, Novaculite is a is a good thing to bring with you. It's got a lot of the same energy as the sword suit from Tarot. So very sort mm -hmm. of focused, razor sharp, moving forward. No yes. nonsense, no detours, just focus in, do the thing. Gives you clarity. Gives you clarity, yep. The downside to Novaculite is that it can also be kind of an asshole. <laughs> Um, both to work with and it can sort of push you a little bit in an asshole direction. <laughs> Rana says, my kind of rock. So the, the caution with Novaculite is, especially if you're prone to being an asshole anyway, is 
pair it up with something that's a little gentler, something with a little more water energy to it to sort of soften the intensity of the asshole vibe on Novaculite. But it really, really is good for focusing and for clarifying and for cutting away everything that's not necessary to your goal. Justin says, since it comes from the South, is it a bless your heart stone? <laughs> no, Novaculite. <laughs> You, to get a bless your heart, you have to have subtlety. And Novaculite's got none of that. <laughs> it's just in your face. Yes. No, Novaculite would want to be thrown at someone who says bless your heart. Finn is like, fuck that. Enhance my assholeness. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just say, first off, nothing you said today makes me think it is not going to turn me into a Power Ranger. I'm just going <laughs> to leave it at that. Whatever. All right. So uh, that's it for Odes Stone Corner. Visit the Birmingham Violin Studio where our Tiger Kirsten Gill has been teaching violin for anyone ages seven and up for 20 years. Kristen tailors each lesson specifically to their students since all the people are unique individuals with their own learning style. Rather than teaching from a single method book or method, Kristen has a master's of music in violin performance and has played with professional ensembles including Orchestra Iowa, the Florida Grand Opera, the Palm Beach Symphony, which I've been to, and the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra. There we are in Arkansas, Arkansas again. Arkansas. As well as Casey and the Sunshine Band and the Beach Boys and a pre-American idol, Kelly Clarkson. Due to social distancing, the Birmingham Violin Studio has pivoted to providing online instruction. And Kirsten is offering listeners of Three Pagans and a Cat their first two lessons free when they sign up for two months of lessons. <laughs> I really did. It was the exact same as always. Your point? <laughs> we threw him off somehow, hey, just hey. by our very essence. It's because the entire time I was reading it, I was thinking, fuck, I really want to be a Power Ranger. But that's beside the point. Uh, all right. And now, please welcome our tiger, Kristen Gill, to that's the right. podcast. <laughs> please Yay. unmute yourself, Kristen. Hello, Kristen. Hi. <laughs> did you like that read on your ad? <laughs> I'm tickled pink. That was great. <laughs> so again, pressure's still on. Pressure's still very high. We once again ask the question, what is your pagan path and how did you start it? My pagan path is very, very new. Uh, it's a this year thing. Wow. So I'm still kind Welcome. of looking around going uh, like Jack Skellington and Christmas Land going, what is all of this and how? why is it so cool? This, what's this? There's pagans in there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah, it was good. So I'm kind of leaning towards a witch path type idea, but I'm still trying to, to figure it all out. Uh, I journaled through this a little bit this week and was knowing this question was going to come and was just like, okay, well, how <laughs> did I get here? <laughs> um, I think I boiled it down to Babylon 5, Terry Pratchett, and then Aaron uh, Murphy Hiscock. <laughs> Fair enough. All excellent reasons to to get you down to this. Yeah, with Terry Pratchett, it was just um, reading his extremely practical take on magic with Na the girl from uh, A Hatful of Sky, Tiffany. Yes, Tiffany Aching. And thank you, Gemma. Just so beautifully, <laughs> beautifully practical and looking at the magic of the ordinary, and then taking that and looking and um, I picked up Aaron Murphy Hiscock's The House Witch just in a store because I went, I wonder what this actually is, does look like in 
just a everyday sort of thing. And it went, oh my goodness, all of this stuff is stuff that I'm doing anyways. <laughs> you chose an outstanding book. Uh, yeah, I read uh, House Witch. Good, good starter. Yeah, good starter. And uh, Aaron Murphy Hiscock is, is a great place to begin. Where in the world did you find a pagan book in Birmingham, Alabama? Okay, I, was say. <laughs> I wasn't in Birmingham when I found it. Okay. Ah, okay. I sense. was in Memphis. Um, I, was, okay. I was actually up in Memphis uh, for visiting my favorite bookstore up there that has a very, very t- small, it's like three feet long uh, shelf of, of pagan books. <laughs> I was up there for a funeral back in February and I just decided, I've always been terrified of this. I'm a Southern Baptist pastor's kid. Ah. <laughs> and, I, and I just went, what books do they have here? <laughs> so I just, I, and I actually picked one up for the first time because the house witch has such a beautiful cover on it. And I was just like, this one looks friendly. <laughs> Not sinister. Not sinister at all. That's so, very cool. No picture of Aleister Crowley on it. Right. Precisely. <laughs> Glaring out at you. Glaring out at you. With the sinister eyes. No, yeah. that's that's really cool because it sounds like even though you were raised, you know, as you were saying in the Southern Baptist Church, it sounds like there were things in your life that spoke it, it to, already vibed. It already vibed with you, spoke to that inner witch. <laughs> that was just begging to come out. Precisely. I'm so glad that you found um, a way to explore that and that you took that risk because I know how scary that can be. Yeah, it's it's even it's in really terrifying. <laughs> um, uh, but my my spouse has been super supportive. Um, I am not out except mm-hmm. for like in the paid community itself mm-hmm. because my parents would probably completely disown me. Amazingly, they didn't disown me when I got married to my spouse. <laughs> Uh, who who is a non-binary person uh but baby steps steps. we're 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 making progress i mean let me just say like i've been what i'm five years in yeah and i still haven't come out to my mother who's the minister of discipleship at a southern baptist church in florida so he totally gets it yep so yeah Car, car is definitely on the same page with you there. Yeah. So what is it that you make slash do? Yeah, I don't I don't make so much because I am a professional violinist and a violin teacher. I mean, do you make music, my yeah, dear? I was gonna okay. say. It's so hard because <laughs> music is not a tangible art form. Mm-hmm. It takes... Yeah, sure it's it not, is. It's you put, it, you put it on vinyl and you sell it <laughs> and then it's tangible. Uh, but it takes place over... It, it, it's the only art form that really takes place over time, mm-hmm. except for the possibility of like dance. Like it only exists in in the airwaves. It's so s- weird and cerebral, but I love it. It's amazing. No, I understand what you're talking about. I, I uh, have a degree in vocal performance. And so, and I, I did uh, some teaching of music. So I understand what you're saying about how, music is uh, an art form as it's existing in the moment. Absolutely. I, I I guess I'm on the other side of that because I own a record label. And mm-hmm. so like that was the whole thing. You were selling that, the product. Of right. Sure. Right, yep. um, but you still have to play it. Here. Exactly. You can't experience it all at once. Right. Exactly. And I, I read a article once by a, a music anthropologist. Ooh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's a very interesting field to go into, (laughs) who was saying you never experience the, the, the problem with historically recreating music is that the circumstances have changed so much that you will never experience it the way that the 
people of the time experienced it. Mm -hmm. Like things like your cultural expectations of what music is. Right. To like the quality of the air and the materials the instruments are made from. Mm -hmm. All of that has changed over the last like hundred years. So stuff that was made in the early 1900s, even if we use the same materials that they used to make those instruments at the time and we recreate those instruments perfectly and we play that piece of music that was written then exactly the same way that it was played then. We're not going to have the same experience internally because of our cultural expectation mm-hmm. of music or like just sensorily because of things like as simple and granular as the quality of the air being different. You can also do the same thing thing of you can take the instrument itself that because we have some of them that performed these things at at the premieres of the pieces and use that same exact instrument and use it today. But because the performer's different. Everybody puts their own little sauce on it. Exactly. The nuances, the styles, everything will be just a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And even with recordings, the way you play the recording changes, right? Like, so... That's why I hate MP3s. Exactly. Something that's stored on vinyl sounds different than something that's yep. stored on an MP3, even if it's the same recording, just right. on a different medium. Yep. Absolutely. Or through different kinds of headphones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and even like, so, you know, we, we live in what used to be the home of Gibson Guitars. Mm-hmm. So Gibson Guitars was a Kalamazoo company before they moved to Nash Vegas uh, or Nashville. I know from working with guitarists over the years that there are certain windings Mm-hmm. wound by certain people in the humbuckers that are in Gibson guitars that you want this certain so literally so you want they this person specific right and they all sign they all put their initials on the hum are on the coils mm-hmm. that they wind and so I know guys who would go in and like literally tear a guitar take, take apart it apart to make sure before they'd consider buying it to see mm-hmm. who made that coil exactly okay yep. now since this is actually an interview with Kristen <laughs> Shut up, because we are we're all very deeply involved in music, both Car and I, a very long time. Tell us about how you became a musician. What brought you to where you are now, teaching violin? I believe Mm -hmm. I do. I do. I teach violin. Um, Occasionally, I teach viola. I'm not doing it currently, but it's it's something that I also perform and love. I started violin in a little bit of a weird way. I was old as a violin student uh, to start playing. Most violin students that uh, turn professional start when they are about three or four years old. Because mm-hmm, it's a hard instrument. Baby violin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're tiny. We're talking instruments that are you know, maybe a, a foot to foot and a half long. <laughs> they're, they're little. But I was 10 or 11 years old visiting with my parents uh, on a trip to Branson, Missouri. And we went to go see a, the violinist who has a show there called uh, Shoji Tobuchi. And I have memory of going to the show. I have no memory of what this apocryphal to me story is. But my parents swear that this is what happened. The violinist was playing something like the Orange Blossom Special or Fly to the Bumblebee, something that's really fast and hard. Mm-hmm. And me being the persnickety kid that I was, uh, very precocious, leaned over and tugged on my dad's 
coat jacket and was just like, if you get me a violin, I can do that. (laughs) And for some stupid reason, they believed me. (laughs) They thought, hey, our kid is is expressing an interest. Let's go for it. So Mm -hmm. they they bought me or rented me a violin. Um, You should always rent a violin when you get started because you don't know what you're getting into. My parents rented a violin and they started looking for a teacher for me. And they found this person that was in seminary at the time I was in Fort Worth, Texas. And they were in seminary, I think studying Hebrew, irrelevant to the story. But uh, she (laughs) was a former competitor in the Queen Elizabeth competition. Her teacher was Nathan Milstein, Juilliard graduate, etc. She took me on basically within a couple of lessons in which I went through the entire first book, looked at me and was just like, I need to talk to your parents. And and she looked at my parents and was just like, "Um, your child is very serious about this. Were you a prodigy? I was a little bit of a prodigy. It was very strange. And at that point looked at me and was just like, so are we going to learn how to be a soloist or an orchestral player? And I had to learn, figure out at age 11 or 12, what, I was going to do with my craft and make that decision then. You do not become a generalist violinist. No, you don't. Uh, You can. And that's essentially actually what I have done. (laughs) But when you're training that young, um, and especially back in the early 90s, that's what you did. And you trained very, very specifically. And you, you have worked with, um, according to the commercial, you have worked with uh, quite a few famous orchestras and people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've had a I've had a little bit of a career. It's been interesting, and I'm I'm only 38 years old, so I still have a bit of career in, ahead of me. I think mm-hmm. still got plenty mm-hmm. of time. Yeah, that's right. But right now, that's I'm exciting. enjoying. I I moved to Alabama. I was uh, playing with Orchestra Iowa up until a few years ago, but I moved to I- Alabama because I uh, my wife and I realized after having met in music school a while ago that we were in love. <laughs> And so I moved down here to be with her and we got married. And so I've been down here ever since and not really playing much except doing freelancing and teaching. Well, your students are incredibly, incredibly lucky Mm -hmm. to have you as a teacher with your... And I just, I I love teaching them so much because each one is, you know, their own person and no two lessons are alike. So it's... It's so much fun just to get the variety of my kids, my my adults. I I, I teach doctors, I teach nurses, I teach seven year olds, and every everybody's different, and it's great. You mentioned earlier that uh, most people, if they're going to move on to playing the violin professionally, start at three or four. So why is it that you teach seven and up? Because you need to have a certain skill set to teach the the itty itty bitties as Mm -hmm. my wife calls them (laughs) my wife has that skill set actually specifically teaches not uh just general music she's also Mm -hmm. an opera person uh yeah that is that is not my skill set i i like to teach kids that start at about the reading age speaking as a former preschool teacher who worked with three and four year olds i understand (laughs) that's valid it's a very valid choice to make Mm -hmm. i didn't even like my own kids when they were that age i can't imagine somebody else's (laughs) that's not true entirely fair (laughs) you may not want to think it but well you actually were pretty good with them despite what you you can be good with kids and not enjoy that's true that's true this is maybe going to be a tough question for you since you sort of just started 
exploring paganism, what's sort of the intersection for you between the pagan spiritual experience and making music? Yeah, that's something that I am still trying to figure out how to explore. Um, I've had ideas about things. My violin was always very closely tied to my Christianity. And so taking it the other way is, is going to be definitely something that I feel like I need to explore. Looking at it as kind of an animistic thing, I really feel like my violin does have a spirit that I probably need to get to know. Mm. I mean, I think that's true for most instruments. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. My, my particular instrument is a century old or so. We don't actually mm -hmm. know exactly when it was made, um, but we know that it's pretty up there. And she definitely has a personality. And it's not like I need to get to know her because I obviously have had a relationship with this instrument for quite some time. Mm -hmm. But I've never explored her talking back to me. That might be a really good meditation kind exactly. of uh, thing to do. Mm -hmm. Just to just to free flow with your violin mm -hmm. and, you know, you give it... So, you know, something to think about and allow it to flow its answer back to you Precisely. through the music. I think that would be gorgeous. Yeah, doing mm -hmm. some some improvisation meditation type mm -hmm. type things. That is definitely something that I have on the agenda. That's very cool. That's yeah, very cool. That sounds like that could be a, a really interesting mm -hmm. experience. If you do that, definitely in the Discord, let us know how it goes. Yes, we'll we would love to hear how that goes. Yeah. I know coming from, um, you know, a very strict Christian background, it can be kind of weird moving into another spirituality mm -hmm. so just so I'm you trying know, to pull things I'm trying out to pull of it things out disentangle into, like you were saying mm -hmm. your your music is very tied to your belief in in christianity and in that deity just know you don't have to have a deity in witchcraft or in paganism you can just have a practice whether it's magic or working yeah, it doesn't with, even have to be religious right you know or or working with your just working with your violin you know uh, as a spirit whatever we can do to help you with that please let us know that is so kind just, thank you i appreciate that yeah car and gwen get it in particular yes yeah, yeah. they also spent long times in embedded in other religions yes especially with music so yeah yeah yeah, get <laughs> breaking away from the praise music reflex. Yeah, yeah I, I was on a lot of praise teams and in a lot of choirs and did a lot of solo work Heard. for churches. So I, I wasn't, it. and I still, I like, by the time I was 11, I was no longer a Christian, yeah. but I still hear like a, a standard worship song and yeah. like there's a part of my brain that kicks in with the chorus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. So we do get it. But I think it's beautiful that you can explore your, your new potential new path. Mm hmm your new spiritual focus with your instrument. I think that's, I think that's gorgeous. Yeah. I think obviously you'll have to see how it goes, but I could see your instrument being a really uh, valuable partner for you in that process. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. That's cool. Instrumental, if you will. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> the music funds, they come out. <laughs> Quinn with a dad joke. <laughs> Although Rhiannon Gray does say, say, I really wish I had stuck to learning an instrument, especially when it comes to my Apollo work. So that's uh, mm. that's also something to consider. There are lots of gods who have uh, musical connections that's themselves. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's never late, too late to come back. Yeah, exactly. 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 Same with dance, with singing. Mm -hmm. Any, any form of music or writing or poetry or any of those. Any, uh, any of these creative Any crafts. of these creative things that... If you're drawn to do this, whether it's part of your witchcraft or part of your devotional path or just because you feel like doing mm -hmm. it, 
I, I say, especially now when people need creative outlets for their emotional, well-being. mental well-being, um, I think it's I think it's a great idea to explore. And have, having that as an as a mental thing, it really is so valuable to just have the discipline of of practicing. It helps with memory. It helps with you're with uh, filling some of those social things as well that a lot of us mm-hmm. are missing. And I know um, under capitalism, we've all sort of got this impulse that everything we do has to make money somehow, so but true. you don't have to be a professional creative to do something creative. You don't. And I, I think that's something a lot of people struggle with is like, well, my hobby's not, I can't turn my hobby into a side gig. I'm not going to be a professional, you know, like I, I, I am a casual amateur bass player. I'm never going to mm-hmm. make money with that. It's just a hobby that I have. And that's something that we used to have in our culture, not just in our culture and pretty much every culture music mm-hmm. is, was so integral and, and mm-hmm. it's still in a lot of cultures around the world where mm-hmm. amateur music making was a way for everyone to socially bond. And it's yeah. something I mean, that it's, we've lost. Yeah. It is. That's, that's the whole reason why jazz music came about. Basically yeah. it was mm-hmm. just a bunch of people sitting around playing together. And if they were out of time with each other, it was cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so and that's, that's why, that's why jazz is so improvisational. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and so. the same with bluegrass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love bluegrass. It's so, so much fun. So and then you be- cease becoming a violin player and you become a fiddler. Absolutely. <laughs> and there's so. nothing wrong with that. I teach fiddle too. Nope. nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So makes me want to get back into playing the piano. There you go. All right. So, uh, uh, Rhiannon Gray does ask, does anyone have tips for sticking with something like that? Then I can for maybe a month or two, but then I get thrown off and drop it. So as someone, uh, Kristen, who at 11 decided you were going to dedicate yourself to this, <laughs> what, what are your tips for sticking right. with it? Uh, tips right. for sticking with it. Um, have a community. Yes. Have a community is such a big deal. Um, grow, like growing up as a kid, you know, being in youth orchestras and having lessons, you know, all of that kept me on my game. As an adult, now, especially now that I'm a freelancer, and I'm not doing as much playing with other people on a day to day basis, at least it's just pull it knowing that I need to pull it out for my own sanity. If I if I'm not playing, I miss it. Um, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. just putting it in your schedule and having a maximum amount of time that you can play, having a minimum amount of time that you can do it kind of like going to the gym or exercising Mm -hmm. at home for most of us now. I recently started taking belly dance again, and that is what has always helped me is going to a class. Yes. I was very dedicated to, to dance about 11 years ago. And then for medical reasons, got away from it and trying to do it at home, just using videos just never worked. Mm -mm. It's getting out, going to a class, being with other dancers, learning from a teacher that is, it, it helps. And even if you can only do an online class, Mm -hmm. it's still something that you are, you focus into, you attend, you become a part of that community. Yeah. People to hold you accountable. People to hold you accountable. Exactly. And keeping on learning more things because you, if you, if you don't keep learning, you get stagnant. Rhiannon Gray said, and I think Carr was trying to prompt me to earlier. uh, We do actually have a channel in the discord called come harass the pride. 
mm-hmm. which is where you all can hold each other accountable to goals like that. Yep. So if you need a community to do that for you and you don't have one, ask people in the pride to bother you. That's right. And they will. All right. All right. Uh, I think, uh, I think we're, we're good Ready for, for questions. Commercial. Yeah. Oh, I, I think, we did. Yep. I think that's all the questions everybody had. So thank you, Kristen, the website. Oh for- yes. Um, Birmingham violin um, Birmingham violin studio is also on Facebook. So if you just search those words, you will find me. I am also active in the discord, at least as a reader. I don't post that often, <laughs> but I am there. Uh-huh. Uh, so a lurker. Yes, I am very much a lurker. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Listen, we love lurkers. Lurking is a completely legitimate way to engage with content. Absolutely. As Carr said in the commercial, anyone who signs up for two months of lessons from the pride gets two lessons free. You know, I, I would love to what see anyone who is interested and just talk to you. That's wonderful. Very cool. Absolutely cool. And we will, of course, have links in the description uh, for the episode. Yep. For both of our guests. Yes. Both both Kristen and Brittany. So thank you, Kristen. It was great to talk to you. Yes. And uh, hopefully we'll continue to see you around the Discord. Let us know how things go. Thank you, guys. All right. So now should I do another commercial? Yes. Is that what you want? Yes. Do a commercial. Do it. You want me to do one without screwing it up? Do it. Do it. I mean, that would be ideal. Do a commercial. Join our Tiger Crystal at Apothecary Teas. This shop produces fragrant, aesthetically beautiful teas that delight all the senses. With handcrafted tea blends from white to red to green this week, as we approach Samhain, consider Persephone's Descent, a tea modeled after the Greek goddess descent into the underworld. With flavors of black tea, ginger, rosemary, hibiscus, and pomegranate, find them at apothecaryteastore.com or on Facebook at Apothecary Teas, LLC. That was smooth. Excellent. That was very good. And everyone in the in the Nailed chat is, is supporting you. Finn said, I have confidence that Carr won't screw it up. <laughs> and then he finished with nailed. <laughs> That's right. Yes. And so with that, it's time for Carr's Beast Table. Carr's Beast Table. <laughs> you all ready for this? Yep. This is roasted butternut squash chestnut and apple soup, which that's, I'm mostly making tomorrow. That's a that's a Gwyn food. Mostly so making. I think you'll actually really like it once you really? hear it. Okay. Yeah. And the reason right. I say mostly is because I don't have all the ingredients, but I have some. So you need three and a half pounds of butternut squash, seeds removed, flesh cut into large wedges, five tablespoons of olive oil, one onion chopped. One garlic glow, clove, which they really mean three or four, or an bulb. entire bulb, yeah, yeah. of garlic, of yes. garlic finely chopped. Two potatoes cut into cubes. Half of a Granny Smith apple peeled, cored, and uh, core removed, and flesh removed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Half of a Johnagold apple peeled, core removed, flesh removed. What is that? A Donegold? Yeah. It's a kind it's of like, apple. like a red apple. We, okay, just like a regular yeah. apple. Yeah. No. It's a little firmer. Nope. It's a little firmer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, three and a half pints of hot vegetable stock. One sprig of fresh thyme, two bay leaves. One pound, two ounces of chestnuts, roasted, peeled. And then set some of those aside because you're going to need them sliced for that. Uh, Finn wants to know if Fuji apples will work. Um, probably. Yes. Yep. Yep. You just want a firm apple. And then 14 ounces of ready-made chestnut puree. (laughs) Which we did some research. Which we did some research on and uh, maybe a little hard to find unless you have a Trader Joe's near you. 
Um, you should be able to get it from them, but you can buy it online. Okay. Yeah. And yep. they'll ship yep. it to you. And then you are going to preheat your oven to 400 degrees. You're going to place the butternut squash pieces into a roasting tin, drizzle three tablespoons of olive oil over them, transfer to the oven and roast for 25 to 30 minutes or until the squash is tender and golden browned, then set it aside to cool. When the butternut squash is cooled, drain off the oil, peel away the skin, taking care to not burn your fingers. Mm. Heat the remaining olive oil in a large pan over a medium heat. Add the onion, garlic, way more than they suggest, way more. potatoes and apples and fry for four to five minutes during regularly until they're softened. Then you're going to add the stock, the roasted squash, the thyme, the bay leaves, the chestnuts, and the chestnut puree. Stir well and season to taste with salt and pepper. Bring that mixture to a boil, turn it down to a heat and simmer for 15 to 20 minutes or until the potatoes are tender, then set it aside to cool. Then you're going to put that all into a fruit processor and you're going to blend the fuck out of it. Um, then you're going to return it to back to the pan and heat it until it's warmed thoroughly. Unless you're like me and you don't have a food processor because you broke it. And so you have to use a potato masher. And, but and it, willpower. And willpower. <laughs> so uh, to serve this, what you're going to do is you're going to divide the soup equally between, between 10 serving bowls. This makes a, that makes a lot. Big soup. Makes a, yep, a lot of soup. soup. No soup. In our me. case, it would serve. Too much soup for you. <laughs> in our case, it would serve four of us twice because normally we all get soup twice. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's true. And then... We are going to put a few drops of truffle oil on top and then heavy cream okay. and then sprinkle the sliced roasted chestnuts on top of it. Mm. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, chestnut, I, roasted butternut squash. It sounds delicious. Soup. It does. You know, I feel like I might be able to go for this because the potatoes, I think, will help. Uh -huh. The potatoes and the uh, chestnuts. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I'm not a butternut. I'm not a squash person. No. But there's enough other things he happening here. But I don't have the chestnuts. No. But I know where a Trader Joe's is. True. <laughs> so I might so be visiting my some. local Trader Joe's tomorrow. Just seen. <laughs> Justin <laughs> says Gwen works with intentions on this for a spell. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, and Rhiannon Gray said, I had never felt so seen until I heard everyone agree that garlic should always be minimum of three times as much as the recipe calls for. <laughs> Finn, the closest Trader Joe's is an hour and a half away. Fuck you, small towns. <laughs> and Scooby said, things to measure with your heart. One, alcohol. Two, garlic. Three, spices in general, to be honest. Four, <laughs> cheese. Five, chocolate chips and baked goods. That's the truth. Uh, yeah, I yep. wholeheartedly agree with we that. We 100% cool. agree with that entire list. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the only thing I would add to it would be ginger. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Also measure ginger. With measure your ginger with your heart. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I guess that falls under spices in general, but, yeah. yep. you know. Yep. You and know then, when you have enough ginger. Yep. Yep. And some people are talking about pecans, which, yes, I love pecans. So. <laughs> and this really is something you should make with chestnuts. Mm -hmm. You can substitute other nuts, but chestnuts have, have a, distinct a, have a very distinct, distinct yeah which i'm not sure i've ever had probably oh. not i don't it's think not i've ever had here. like just chestnut chestnuts roasting, roasting on an open, open fire. fire yeah i don't think i've ever had any so but speaking um, of holidays if we're done with gar's feast table yes i believe we are done with we're gar's yeah feast table. we're we're i'm 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 feasted uh, out although everyone is still talking about it in the chat that's true. <laughs> it is, as someone has said, Scoobus, it is almost Samhain mm -hmm. and also Halloween for those who celebrate Halloween. So we will, you know, be after, we will be recording after Halloween. Yes, post-Halloween. Post-Halloween. So I wanted to say 
Have a blessed Samhain. Have a happy Halloween. And if you Be are careful with COVID precautions, yes, make sure you take the COVID precautions. If you are going to have trick or treaters come to your house, the CDC is recommending that you put bags of candy out individual bags that not they, the big exactly like, pumpkin full of candy for people to stick all their grubby fingers in. yep yep you don't yep. want you don't want anything that people can you know be trading germs with yep. try to make sure you know that people just grab the bag and go yep. um make sure that you're wearing a, a regular face mask that we all wear under a halloween yeah. mask <laughs> um socially it's like you know. jason 2.0 uh-huh. exactly socially distant double up your masks use you know if you're you know if you need to obviously take your your sanitizer with you and if you're gonna go to a party try to go to one that's either outside or that is observing uh Social social distancing and masks inside have a socially distant halloween because unfortunately i hate to say it but despite what our whatever you want to call him uh has been promoting at his rallies COVID is on the rise all over the country we're seeing spikes so, and, but we also, you know, people want to have a celebration because, you know, people are getting really exhausted. And so people want to be able to celebrate Halloween. They want to be able to celebrate Samhain. So just do so, but with wisdom and be careful and be safe. As yep. much as you can. And as the best you choice, can. if you're willing to make it, is to not do a party at all. Yeah, stay home, carve pumpkins, watch mm-hmm. spooky movies or, or fun Halloween movies with your kids or or whatever you're going to do. But if you are going to be out and about, just do it safely. Mackenzie says, how do we know which children are black-eyed children if they have masks? <laughs> yeah, just don't let them in your house. No, let no Halloween children no into Halloween your house. No Halloween children in your house. <laughs> that should be a rule every year. <laughs> Nobody comes in your house. Okay. Unless it's your child. Right. Your, your <laughs> child can come back in your house. That's I right. suppose. Uh, if they must. <laughs> and you have confirmed not, not definitively. Not if they've been in the corn before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, children of the corn. You gotta, yeah. you gotta watch for some of those. Watch for those kids coming out. And yeah, watch, obviously, fields. if you're in Maine, never trust a child. No children. Yeah. Especially yep. if they have weird eyes. Yeah. Just don't. Don't trust the adults in Maine either. That's just don't, true. Right. Just yeah. don't live in Maine. Don't right. live in Maine. Move yeah. out of Maine. <laughs> Maine is just haunted. <laughs> Rain's haunted, guys. <laughs> Thank right, you, Stephen right. King. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, we just I I just wanted to to make sure to include that. Mm-hmm. And again, just have a very, very happy Halloween and a blessed and beautiful salon. All right, Kirk, can you do all our stuff? Sure. You can find us on Google. There we go. <laughs> there it is. You there just it look is. it up. Three, the number three, Pagans and a Cat on Google. And amazingly, all this shit populates. Mm -hmm. And then the good news about doing this is you searching it makes us move higher in the Google rankings. Oh, that's That's true. That's That's how Google works. Good for the SEO. Yeah, it's good for the SEO. So feel free. Yeah. And come visit me over on Patheos. Please read what I'm (laughs) writing. Yeah. So I I do have one more question. Okay. All right. What if it's black eyed kids coming out of the corn? Oh, then mm. you're fucked. Mm. Okay. Mm. I'm just saying. You're welcome, yeah. Mackenzie. Mm. I think at that point, I think at that point you play dead. You just, you just, just don't. Just don't. I think at that point you just call it. Call and it. And you lay down. You just lie down done. and accept whatever's coming to yep. you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm good now. Yeah. All right. Are you fulfilled? Have you fulfilled, fulfilled your... <laughs> <laughs>